want to welcome everybody to Second Chance Church today. If you got a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to eventually get to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And while you're turning there in your Bible or getting there on your mobile device, I just want to say um, in two weeks from today, we have our Easter services. We get to gather together publicly for services March 31st at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock and then April 1st at 9.15 and 11.15. Currently, currently, all the services are full as far as ticket go, tickets go, but we, are, we do have a wait list. And starting next week, if you don't have tickets but you still want to come, I'm going to be able, I'm going to try to talk you through some ways because we're going to try our best to get as many people in that room as possible. So that'll be in two weeks from today. Um, we're having our first Easter services. And hopefully, hopefully, we got some really cool news to announce um, on Easter. So keep that in mind. All right. Um, we're going to dive in today, and we're beginning a series called, What Do You Do When Life Falls Apart on You? What do you do when life falls apart on you? Every single person watching today, no matter where you are, have had an experience that happened to you in life where things were going good, or maybe things weren't going not so good, and you either got a phone call, a text message, an email, a letter, and it just seemed like life fell completely apart on you. All of us have had that experience in one way, shape, form, or fashion. I remember several years ago, I was having a bad week, and all of us have had a bad week, and, and we're like, God, I just need something good to happen. And I was, um, I was pastor of a church, and I went to check the mail, because at the time, I was the person that got all the mail. So I go and I get the mail and I get this letter and it's from um, somebody that had been in our service the previous week. Now, on the previous Sunday, I had shared an illustration. It was an illustration. It wasn't the point of the message. It was just something I was talking about. Um, and I was joking about the fact that there were some people in the world that don't think we landed on the moon. Now, I want to pause. I want to stop. I want to stop. If you don't think we landed on the moon, I don't care. It doesn't affect my life. If we landed on the moon, awesome. If we didn't land on the moon, awesome. I don't care. Please don't send me um, websites this week. Please don't send me letters. I, just, just for the record, I think we landed on the moon, but if you don't think, we, Logan, do you think we landed on the moon? Yes, I think we landed on the moon. And did we find aliens? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so I, I don't know if we did or we didn't. I don't care. But this was right at the beginning of the era where, um, where when you said something and somebody got offended, and, and, and now, now people get offended at everything. In fact, there are people right now getting offended that I'm talking about the fact that people get offended. So people get offended um, so easily. And so this was at the beginning of that era. And so I'd had a bad week. I go to the mailbox. I check the letter. I pull the letter out. And it was a letter ripping me. In the South, we say it this way. This lady tore me a new one. If you don't know what tore me a new one is, you can Google that. Actually, don't Google that because I, I don't know what would come up. But she tore me a new one about how I was insensitive and I wasn't good and I was an idiot. I mean, she really ripped me apart um, in regards. I'm going to pause. Are we still doing good? Are we, is the feed still playing? Praise God, we've been going for like three minutes and that lost the feed. So she tore me a new one. Um, in regards, and it was just one of those things that I was like, I needed something good to happen, 
But something bad happened, and I literally went back to my apartment, sat down, and said, why do I even do this? Why am I even in ministry? I wanted to quit. It was that one thing. It was this, it was this thing called criticism that almost crushed the calling out of my life. Now, everybody in this room, everybody watching, you know what it's like to be criticized. Somebody has criticized you. Somebody has criticized the way you parent. Somebody has criticized the way you work. Somebody has criticized um, the way you raise your children. Somebody has cri- All of us, in one way, shape, form, or fashion, has been, have been criticized. And when we get criticized, sometimes criticism causes, causes us to want to quit, to throw in the towel, to give up. I understand that. You understand that. We under- so how do we keep going when we face con- a consistent barrage of criticism. Well, for me, one of the things I'm learning to do um, is, is kind of look to Scripture and look to Jesus because the thing I've discovered is criticism is actually designed to crush the calling out of your life. Now, I want to pause. I believe every single person on the planet has a call on their life. You have a calling from God on your life. I believe that with all of my heart. But criticism is designed to crush that calling out of our lives. And there's nobody on the planet, there's nobody on the planet that dealt with criticism more than, than Jesus. Now, I want to pause. This isn't a message call, um, where I say Jesus was criticized and he didn't quit, so shut up and get over it. That's not what this is about, okay? I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm just saying... From an outsider, if, you're, if you were an outsider looking in on Jesus' life, everything fell apart on him. The last week of Jesus' life, he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the crowds are going nuts. Everybody's saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's, he's like got more Facebook friends than anybody in Jerusalem. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. But in less than a week, he gets betrayed, arrested, beaten, and he's being crucified. Now, now, as if things aren't bad enough, he's being crucified, he's hanging on the cross, and that's where we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 38. Matthew chapter 27, verse 38, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and the Bible says in verse 38, two rebels were crucified with him. One on his right and one on his left. Now, I want to pause real quick. The person that was crucified in the middle was considered to be the worst criminal. That's why Matthew points this out. The person that was crucified in the middle was considered to be the worst criminal. And so Matthew points that out, and that's going to be um, beneficial for us later, later on, okay? Now, watch this. Verse 39. Those who passed by hurled insults at him. Now, it's... It's bad enough that you're being murdered, hanging on a cross, naked and bleeding in front of everybody. But the Bible points out the people are passing by and they start hurling insults at Jesus. Don't worry, it gets worse. Shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. So they're, they're, they're mocking Jesus. In verse 41, in the same way, 
the chief priest and teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. So once again, not only are they insulting him, but they're mocking him as he's hanging on the cross. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he, want, if, if, if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. So they're criticizing and critiquing Jesus. And verse 44, th this, is the, this is the proverbial icing on the cake, if you will. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So in the last hours of his life, as Jesus is dying, he faces three types of criticism. Three types. And by the way, they're the same three types of criticism that we face today. But, but, don't miss this. Jesus was so focused on his calling that criticism did not cause him to quit. Let me say it again. Jesus was so focused on his calling that criticism did not cause him to quit. This isn't a message on how to not, because if I was going to preach a message on how to not be criticized, that would be a really short, simple message. Be mediocre and average. Because nobody criticizes mediocre and nobody criticizes average. Seek the lowest common denominator. That's the way to avoid criticism, okay? But if you seek to do anything great, you're going to face criticism. And let me walk through the three types of criticism that Jesus faced, the three types of criticism that we will face, and how, how to make, how, number one, how to overcome it, and number two, how to make sure that we actually don't do this type of criticism to other people. Number one, number one, the first type of criticism that's mentioned in this passage are just the people passing by. The people passing by. Jesus would have been crucified right outside the gate of the city. And when the Romans crucified people, they did so very publicly because they wanted the entire city to see what they did to people that rebelled against Rome. And so as Jesus is being crucified, it's a very public thing because Rome wanted people to see this publicly. So it would, it would have been like people were passing by. It was a major thoroughfare. And as people were passing by and they didn't know the whole story, they just felt like they needed that the world would be a better place if they just weighed in their opinion. Now, have you ever done that? Have you ever, have you ever stuck, just, just a quick hand raise in the room. How many people have ever stuck your foot in your mouth by saying something that you shouldn't have said that's everybody everybody in the room just for the record on the camera as everybody in the room notice my hand is up i remember when i when i started a church years ago i was like the greeting team and i was the usher and i was the parking team and um i was really serious about our parking lot and here's why we had like 20 spaces for parking and i would stand in the parking lot and if so, uh, if a regular attender tried to park in the parking lot, I would make them leave. I'd be like, you got to go park somewhere else. Where am I supposed to park? I don't know. Figure it out. But we're going we're gonna to keep these spaces open for visitors. Now, we never had any visitors, but just in case they showed up, I wanted them to be able to park. So I'm sitting outside, or I'm actually standing outside one day with my friend named Brent. And Brent was really excited that his friend was coming to church. He invited a friend to church. And his friend pulled up in a Camaro, so automatically I like this guy. But he parked in the handicapped spot. Now, for me personally, 
I just think there's a special spot in hell for people that park in handicap spots that shouldn't park in handicap spots. And so Brent's running out to meet his friend. He's like, hey, you know, whatever. And I'm yelling, I'm yelling, I'm yelling, Brent, 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 tell him he can't freaking park in the handicap spot. And Brent turns around and looks at me and says, Perry, he's handicapped. Yeah, he, didn't, he never came back, um, which, which I don't blame him, but it was like one of those things where I just saw it and I didn't know the whole story. And because I didn't know the whole story, I felt like I needed to say something. Now, we've all done that. We've all seen a situation and we've spoken into it without knowing the whole story. And that's what's going on in this text right here. The people passing by watching Jesus crucified, they didn't know the whole story. They had, they had heard about Jesus. They may have, may have even heard him teach a time or two. But see, they didn't know his story. They didn't know he was born in a cave in Bethlehem in unsanitary conditions that would cause most of us to puke. They didn't know when he was a child that the ruler of the region tried to kill him and he had to flee to Egypt. They didn't know he had spent 30 years of his life in obscurity in a little town called Nazareth being a carpenter. They didn't know that one time Peter's mother-in-law was sick and he went to Peter's house and touched his mother-in-law and his mother-in-law was healed. They didn't know that one time he got on a boat and crossed over um, a lake through a storm to heal a demon-possessed guy that the world had given up on. They didn't know about the Last Supper. They didn't know he took the bread and said, this is my body, and he took the wine and he said, this is my blood. They didn't know he had washed the disciples' feet. They didn't know that he had prayed so hard in the Garden of Gethsemane that he actually began to sweat drops of blood. They didn't know he had been betrayed. They didn't know about the beatings. All they knew was, here's a man hanging on a cross. He must have done something bad. I need to insult this guy. There were just people passing by. Now, the world that we live in today, I think in some ways, is a little bit more barbaric in, in this regards than when Jesus lived. Because, see, when Jesus lived, they didn't have social media. Because, because I, think, I think Jesus came 2,000 years ago because he knew social media was coming. And he, it, it took them three years to kill Jesus. If they'd had social media, it'd taken them three months. I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. Now, I'm not the anti-social media guy. I love social media. I love Instagram stories and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all that. So I love it. I think it's great. But it can also be the devil's playground. Because it's a place where people can see something and they speak into it without knowing the whole story. And, and let me just say... It's getting out of hand. I had lunch with a pastor about a month and a half ago who had just preached the funeral of a 10-year-old girl who had taken her own life because she had been bullied online. That's a sad, sad place to be. And so all I'm saying is this. If we don't know the whole story... Oftentimes, it's best just to keep our opinions to ourselves. And for those who've had a criticism heaped on you by people that don't know you, the definition of insanity is allowing those who know you the least to define you the most. Brene Brown is somebody that I, I love and admire. She's, a, she's an unbelievable author, great communicator. And Brene Brown said, 
years ago when she first, like, nobody used to know who she was, and she did a TED Talk and got very popular, and all of a sudden as she got popular, people started criticizing her. So she said she wrote everybody's name whose opinion mattered down on a one-inch-by-one-inch one piece of paper and put that piece of paper in her wallet. And then every time somebody would say something critical, she'd take out that piece of paper, and if their name wasn't on that piece of paper, she just didn't pay attention to it. Now, I don't have a piece of paper in my wallet because I don't carry a, really a wallet, but I've got a list of names. There's about five or six people on that list, and if somebody says something and they're not on that list, because at the end of the day, you can't allow people passing by that don't know your story to criticize you and take you away from the calling that God has placed on your life. And we can't be the kinds of people that crush the calling in other people's lives when we don't know the whole story either. That's the first type of criticism. The second type of criticism, and this is the most painful, is religious criticism. Religious criticism. The, the, the most criticism in this passage of Scripture came from the religious leaders. And that is, it's a sad state of affairs in church world today when we're known more for what we're against than what we're for. Years ago, I was at a really popular um, wing place in Clemson. It's not popular anymore, it's out of business. But I was sitting at a, I was sitting at a table eating wings. Now, I don't love wings. It's too much work. Um, I, I just would rather have like a chicken breast, but, but I'm eating wings with some friends and there's a group of us and next to us, there's a group of people and they're eating wings and like, we're having a great time and they're having a great time. There's this guy named Tim. Um, I didn't know him, but I knew his name was Tim. I'll tell you how in just a second. So I'm sitting there and um, I kind of, I just kind of looked out of the corner of my eye and I see this guy named Tim and I watched, I don't know what happened, just the blood drained out of his face. And his eyes got real big and glassed over, and he just fell out on the floor. Now, if we were in a charismatic church, you get points for that. But we weren't in a church. We were in a wing place. And, um, and people, people have asked me before, said, what'd you do? And I'm like, I sat there and ate another wing. I'm not a medic. I'm a pastor. I prayed, God help this man. Um, but I, I, I didn't know what to do. But all of his friends automatically, they whipped out their phones and dialed 911. Now, we've all heard the stories. We dialed 911. It took them forever to get there. No, not, not this time. I mean, like within 30 seconds, there were helicopters with people rappelling in. I mean, it was un. Believable. And the EMTs, I don't know if you've ever seen the EMT, like the ambulance guys and girls, they came in and they automatically started working on Tim. Here's what they didn't do. They didn't walk in, sit Tim up and go, we need to learn how to chew our food, Tim. <laughs> somebody, did somebody forget to take their seizure medicine today? Hmm? It was when an EMT shows up, they just go to work to try to fix the problem. I saw it yesterday, I drove by a really bad wreck, horrible wreck. The ambulance people were there, the fire people were there, they were helping, they weren't going, hey, 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 was somebody texting and driving? Were we not doing 10 o'clock and two o'clock with the, with the wheel? No, when an EMT shows up, they help out. And that's what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ. If we see someone in a serious situation, going through some serious trouble, 
Instead of a lecture, they need our love, and we're supposed to step into that situation and help out. But the religious leaders, the people that were supposed to identify Jesus, were the ones that offered the most criticism. Now, this is kind of crazy. This is kind of crazy. Let me, let me set the story up like this. Let me set the story up like this. Um, well, no, let me read this verse. You don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 says this. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Now, I want to pause. I didn't understand that particular verse until I went to Israel for the first time. By the way, I'm heading there in 70, is it 70 days? 70 days? I'll be in Israel in like 70, 80. By the way, by the way, by the way, in June, um, this is just a little side note, a little announcement. Um, Second Chance Church is going to be broadcast, it looks like, from the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. So that'll be a fun church service right there, okay? Anyway, back to the story. Some Pharisees went from Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to where Jesus was. Now, let me kind of set this up like this. About two or three Sundays ago, I was sitting in my apartment, and I started craving Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, Anderson for years didn't have a Krispy Kreme, but we have one now because God is good. <laughs> and I started thinking about like a donut, and then you don't go to Krispy Kreme for a donut. You go for donuts, chocolate iced, chocolate cream filled. Like I am, some of you are craving Krispy Kreme right now, and just because I'm talking about it. And I started thinking about how great it would be to go to Krispy Kreme literally a mile from my house. But you know what? At the end of the day, I didn't go. You know why? Because I'm freaking lazy. That's why. I was like, I'm not going to walk out. It was raining. I get rain on me. I'm made of sugar, so I'll melt. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to drive down and go through the drive through It would have taken me seven minutes to go to Krispy Kreme and back. But I wouldn't do it, even though I wanted Krispy Kreme. Now, with that in mind, Let's get back to this passage right here when the Bible says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came, from Je came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Jesus was in the Galilee region. The Pharisees were in Jerusalem. It took them, don't miss this, seven days to walk to where Jesus was. Now, I will not drive seven days for something I really want. Can you imagine walking Seven days. And when they got to Jesus, this is what happened. Um, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. For real? You walked seven days, and you're going to talk to me about hand sanitizer. Like, like that's, that's the best you got? Maybe that's why Jesus in Matthew 23 told the Pharisees, you guys strain out a gnat and swallow a camel, which, by the way, is hysterical if you just really think about it. Religious criticism, religious criticism, don't, don't miss this. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, religious criticism is designed to shame the person that is suffering. Religious criticism is designed to bring out guilt in the, in, in the person that is suffering. This is what a religious critic will say. Somebody will go through a bad situation, and this is what a religious critic says. And listen, we're all guilty of this. We've all said this. 
Well, they're getting what they deserve. They get what they deserve. We've all said that. When at the end of the day, do any of us really want what we deserve? But a religious critic will say this. A religious religious critic is willing to win the argument and lose the relationship. A religious critic is willing, and by the way, when I first became a Christian, this was me. I blew up relationships because this was my opinion. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. You can't go to R-rated movies. I'm right, you're wrong. You can't listen to secular music. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. That's what a religious critic says, and we've, we've all been guilty. In fact, there's some people watching today that this is the reason you walked away from the church. This is the reason you walked away from Jesus is because you just couldn't handle the religious criticism that came your way. And if that's you, I'm here to tell you Jesus understands exactly what you're going through. Jesus knows what it's like, but Jesus did not allow religious criticism to crush the calling out of his life. And neither should we. And by the way, we got to be really, really, really careful because at the end of the day, Jesus has called us as his followers not to make a point, but to make a difference. That's the calling on our lives. Not to make a point, but to make a difference. The third type of criticism, the third type of criticism is what we call hypocritical criticism. Hypocritical criticism. Now, I, uh, I was talking to a friend one time that got a speeding ticket. How many of you have ever been pulled over for speeding? Yeah, okay. How many of you were not speeding when you got pulled over for speeding? By the way, nobody's hand went up. So my friend got a speeding ticket, and they were, they were just pissed. That's the best way to say it. And they were, as I was talking to them, they were going off on the police officer. I can't believe he did this. He pulled me over. He was there. Duh, 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 duh. And when he came up the car, he said this. And he, then he did this. And he wrote me the ticket. And da, 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 da. So I just asked a question. It was a real simple question. It was an easy question. Does anybody know what question I asked the person? Does anybody want to guess? Were you speeding? This was not the right question to ask this person because then all the hatred they had toward the police officer, they turned it on me. And, and so, by the way, they were speeding. Oh, and just so you know, they were going 20 miles over the speed limit in a school zone. Okay, they should have gone to hell, not jail. I mean, that is horrible right there. But they chose, they chose instead of focusing on what they had done wrong, to focus on the police officer. And this is hypocritical criticism. Think about this. The Bible says that the rebels on Jesus' left and on Jesus' right heaped insults on him. Now, if anybody should have kept their mouth shut, it should have been the people crucified with Jesus. But don't miss this. They were on the outside, not in the middle. So this was their mentality. And all of us have done this as well. At least I'm not as bad as him. At least I'm not as bad as him. Isn't it true that we can always find somebody just a little worse than we are? I mean, I might have done this, but I didn't do it. This is my favorite. I might have done that, but I ain't never killed nobody. Well, okay. It's awesome. But there's a guy in the Bible named Paul that killed people, and he wound up, he, wound, he was a pretty good guy. I'm not advocating murder. I'm just saying it happened in the Bible. 
hypocritical criticism. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when it comes to the sins of others, we make really good judges. But when it comes to our own sins, we make really good defense attorneys. And I'm just saying, when it comes to when it comes to what others are doing, we've got to really make sure to check our own motives. Now, this is the question I get. So, Perry, you talked about criticism. Um, what about having a difficult conversation with some, somebody? I mean, I know somebody, and maybe they're going through something, and it's tough, or they're, they're making some bad choices. I'm watching them blow up their life, and I don't want to criticize them, but I want to have a conversation with them. Is, is that, should I do that? Yes, yes, you absolutely should. Abs- I, I 100%. In fact, Jesus walked us through how to have this conversation in Matthew chapter 7. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you, unless you just want to turn there. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, this is what Jesus said. He said this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, I want to stop. That's the only verse most people know in the Bible. People, the Bible says don't judge. Where does it say that? I don't know, but it says it, right? Um, and, and it's true that the Bible says do not judge or you will be judged. But to take that one statement out of the context of what Jesus was trying to say is a serious, serious error. Jesus said, do not judge or you will be judged. Then he says this in verse 2. He follows it up. He said, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, this is another great way of saying this is what goes around comes around. And by the way, that's not karma. That's the word of God. Jesus says, when you talk to somebody about something, the same attitude you talk to them with will be the same attitude that other people confront you with. And then he said this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't miss this. Jesus said the speck in your brother's eye is something that needs to be removed. Plain and simple. But before you remove it, sit down and do a really good look in the mirror to check your heart and your motives. Because a conversation may be necessary, but criticism is not. This is why Jesus tells us to check our hearts so that our motives can be pure. So I don't know if you're here today and you've undergone some type of criticism. Maybe it's people passing by. They don't know you. They don't know your story. They just said something. Maybe you're dealing with some social media. By the way, the block feature on social media is incredible. Use that thing. It will set you free, all right? All right? Don't argue with people. I mean, just just use that block feature. It's awesome. Maybe you face religious criticism where people have came after you um, in the name of Jesus and Christianity, and they hit you with a Bible verse, and they use the Word of God not as a sword but as a bat to beat the hell out of you, if you will. Maybe you faced hypocritical criticism where somebody, you know, they've got their issues, but they come after you. I'm just telling you, criticism is designed to crush the calling. Now, if somebody has lovingly approached you and desired to have a conversation with you and done it the way that Jesus said to do it, that's always awesome. 
But that's not why people walk away from God. People walk away from God because of these, one of these three types of criticism. And if you've undergone those criticisms, if you're here today or if you're watching online and you've been criticized because there's a calling on your life and the enemy is trying to crush it out of you, here's what I would encourage you with today. You were created on purpose with a plan. God has a plan for your life to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to bring you hope and a future. You are a royal diadem in the hands of God. He is not disappointed in you, and he's not surprised by anything you have or you have not done. You are unconditionally loved. You are completely accepted. And no matter how messy your past has been, there's still the possibility for the miraculous in your future if you simply will not allow criticism to crush the calling that Jesus has in your life. With that in mind, I would love for all of us to pray. Father, I want to pray right now for everyone listening to this message, everyone in this room, that God, at some point, somebody or some bodies have said some things to them or about them that's caused them just to want to quit, to throw in the towel, to give up. God, I pray for every single person here that they would not allow criticism to crush the calling that you have. I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus that you would remind every single person listening that you have a calling on their life. And that calling is still as real as it was on the day they were born. Father, I pray for the people watching, maybe who walked away from you, who, or who just who never have really wanted anything to do with Christianity because they are afraid of the criticism that may come their way. Father, may they hear you speaking over their life right now saying, this is my child whom I love and with them I am well pleased. And if you're watching with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, if you're watching and you never have prayed to receive Christ, you've never asked Jesus to come in your life, and maybe you haven't done so because you've You've been mistreated or you're, you're afraid that somebody's going to say something about you. Let me promise you, people are going to say stuff about you because they said stuff about Jesus. But today is the day that you need to pray to receive Christ. You need to give your life to Jesus and step into the... Because listen, you will never step into the calling without plugging into the source. And His name is Jesus. So with that in mind, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to give your life to Christ today, I just want you to pray right where you are. And just pray, just say, Jesus Christ, right now, I give my life to you. Come into my life and take over. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I am yours. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ and you're watching on the Second Chance site, if you'll just do the little hand raise thing, just click that hand raise button and let us know that you prayed to receive Christ. That'll be awesome. And if you're watching on Facebook, if you'll shoot me an email, um, prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com, and just let us know you prayed to receive Christ. Are we seeing hands go up, Ed, on the, on the website? 
Not yet, but I'm sure there will be. Oh, yep, there we go. So, so if you just pray to receive Christ, you just hit the hand raise button. We just want to know. I also want to say thank you. Um, some of you didn't know that. I forgot to say this right at the beginning. But LifeSpring Church in Tennessee joined us today. They're actually on the stream right now. So I want to say hello to all of our great friends in the great state of Tennessee. Um, Chad Speck and all the amazing guys up there. That's awesome. I want to welcome you guys and say thank you. Next week, next week we're going to have... Um, what do you do when life falls apart on you? Part two. So far, we've seen two people pray to receive Christ. So we can celebrate that so far. So our, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week, I'm going to be giving more details about Easter service. And let me say this. Let me say this. We did not, I'm assuming, Ed, we did not lose the stream today, did we? It does not look like we lost the stream. And here's why. Here's why. We were able to make some investments this week. Get a little bit, we're not broadcasting from my iPhone for the first time in the history of Second Chance because you guys give. Because you guys give faithfully and because you give generously. So thank you for giving to Second Chance Church. Because you give, we were able to make some investments and get some equipment. Because you give, we're able to rent a venue to do Easter services. Because you, we had to rent chairs. Because you give, we can rent chairs. We could have made everybody stand, but we thought that you would enjoy the service a lot more. And so if you, if you haven't given to Second Chance Church yet and you want to start, you can go to the website, click in the right-hand corner, the Give button. It's super easy. It's super simple. Thank you for giving, and thank you for tuning in today. We believe... My, thing, my wallet just fell. Anyway, we believe that the best is yet to come.